0: Welcome to Sweat the Technique, a podcast all about how we get better faster. I'm Ravi Gupta, and this is an episode that I've been looking forward to. We're gonna be talking to my friend, Sadie Duranty, who has done so many things in the world of fitness and wellness. And I met her back in the day uh, a couple of years ago when I went to Power Monkey Fitness Camp in the sort of woods of Tennessee, I think this must have been 2019. And if you've listened to the past few episodes, you know that every year I focus on a new skill and that was the first year of my sort of one skill a year journey. And I went down to this camp that we'll learn all about in this episode. And in particular, I wanted to bring Sadie on because she's not only somebody who's excelled as an athlete and as a performer, and as somebody who thinks a lot about health and wellness, but as somebody who's built a community around, you know, getting better, getting stronger, getting more flexible, becoming better athletes later into life. And she's also been somebody who's thought a lot about the role of camps in learning a new skill in building community as an adult. So adult camps is gonna be the big topic of discussion today. But secondarily, Sadie's also a member of a fitness crew that I've created amongst a bunch of my friends and associates where we kind of motivate each other digitally and virtually. To be as healthy as we possibly can so this will be an interesting interview because i've been a participant in sadie's programs and she's been a participant in mine and so part of what we are going to do on this podcast is compare notes all about how do you build community to help yourself live the longest happiest life and how you can tackle new skills late into life and if you're wondering well okay how does this fit within the whole sweat the technique ethos well part of what we're trying to get at is two things. One is just the role of camps in learning generally. So that's one. And I think two is no matter what you do, if you're a CEO, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you yourself have to to maintain your wellness and health. And hopefully you get healthier long into life past when people conventionally say you start, you know, degenerating or whatever. And so part of what we want to talk about here is, hey, how do you take care of yourself and do it in a way that's really fun? And so with that, I want to welcome on my friend Sadie. Sadie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here.
0: Well, Sadie, all right, let's start with your background because this is kind of a, a, I think a bit of an exaggeration, but you're kind of a circus kid. (laughs) Tell us a little bit (laughs) Tell us a little bit about where you come from and how you even got into sort of fitness, gymnastics, performance.
1: Sure. So my background's in dance. I went to school at uh, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in New York, where after school, I continued to work as a freelance performer. And I went on to actually perform as an aerialist. And I had my own entertainment company where I just booked a lot of my friends and other circus performers for events. And so I did all sorts of things like weddings at the plaza alongside artists, performers. Like I think I did some gigs for like Guns N' Roses and Diddy. And I did like the whole gamut of like music festivals, everything like that. Then I also got into teaching aerial fitness in New York for about a decade, which was kind of cool because, you know, now aerial is very mainstream, but at the time, like no one was doing anything like that. So kind of developed a technique and approach to be able to like, expose it to the masses and show people how to be strong and flexible and do it while having a lot of fun. So that was kind of a cool era of my life. And When you talk about
0: aerial fitness, you know, for people who are not familiar with it, this is kind of like what people would see at Cirque du Soleil.
1: Yeah. Well, you see at Cirque du Soleil, aerial hoop, aerial tissue, fabric, hammock. I did everything from harness work, kind of like stunts sort of thing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. It was a lot of fun.
0: And so, you know, you kind of make your way in that whole world, and you wind up meeting your now husband. How? Because you're both, he, he's a uh, former Olympic gymnast, right? hmm So were you guys like
1: performing together somewhere? He actually hired me for a performance opportunity that took us to Italy. So he was the athlete coordinator for this art installation at the Venice Biennale in Italy. And so he, he hired me. And so we met working on this project that took us to a six-month project at a museum where we were performing on these wooden sculptures for couple times a week. And so we were living in Italy together and it was like super romantic in Venice. And so we came back and we were like glue ever since. So I think
0: it's incumbent upon you for your kids that they have to become some kind of gymnast (laughs) or if they're not the most flexible people in the United States, I think you might have failed as parents.
1: Well, my three-year-old's already stronger than I am, but we actually, you know, my six-year-old, she likes to read a lot and we just like, we kind of press all these other things. We're like, it's okay to do other things. You don't need to take this like ridiculous route. It's actually parents' first nightmare, like run off and join the circus, like my poor parents, like (laughs) (laughs) what I did to them. (laughs) And you and your husband, among others, decided, hey, you wanted to
0: create a program and a community for people to not just tackle gymnastics and aerial performance, but powerlifting, CrossFit, et cetera. How did you even get there? And it's called Power Monkey, by the way. Take us on this journey. How did Power Monkey come about? And then we can paint a picture for our audience about what it is.
1: Yeah, so it's actually had a few different iterations over the years. It started as like equipment manufacturing company, and then we sort of evolved into fitness education once we started this camp. So now we are a fitness education company that teaches foundational approaches for people and adults primarily to learn what could be considered high-level movements. So what we were seeing is This emergence of CrossFit and all of these adults wanting to learn rings and wanting to learn bar work for the first time and having no sort of like pathway of how to do it properly and people are getting hurt and injuring themselves. So enter Dave into wanting to educate people on how to do these things correctly and not get injured and basically increase the ability of moving well for as long as possible, like prevent injury, how to do with correct technique. And that's sort of our underlying mission with everything that we do is to get athletes, the everyday athlete, moving well and with correct technique and having fun while doing it, not just getting injured, never wanting to do it again. So our methods are all about developing safe progressions in now a variety of types of movements, not just gymnastics, and then just breaking it down in a way that anyone can learn. And we've kind of acquired this amazing team of former Olympic level athletes and people who have turned to coaching and also medical experts who are at the top of their respective fields. And so our team is just this awesome kind of Avengers crew of experts in their own fields who have come together to share sort of trade secrets and keep people doing this from a technically sound perspective. And so that's kind of the mission of Power Monkey and how we started camp was pretty cool. Dave was a guest Olympic athlete at this kids camp in Tennessee. And we would go out there in the summers and he would be sort of this guest Olympian to come out and have a speech and, and work with the kids. And when somewhere we were out there, you know, 12 years ago and just like adults would love this, like kid. <laughs> the camp, shout out to the camp. It's called Flip Fest Gymnastics Camp. It's run by two Olympians, John Rothisberger and John McCready. And they've just done an amazing job with this program. If you ever have kids out there, you could send to the school like your own kids or can sponsor a group to come out. It's like an amazing week of just gymnastics. They also do like a ninja camp. So it's kind of for everybody. But um, they also do a great job at making it fun for the coaches and the adults that are there too. And they did such a great job that we always have fun when we go there as staff that we were like, yeah, CrossFitters would love this. It wouldn't take much to tweak this and make it an adult camp. And so that was sort of like how things came about with Power Monkey Camp. And it just, it started small. It started with like... 30 participants and it just sort of grew. We had like 30 coaches and 30 participants. It was like the most amazing (laughs) ratio the first year that we did it. I'm sure you made no money that year. (laughs) None, none. (laughs) For like three years, finally started to grow the thing.
0: And yeah, I'll give you my experience in this, which was, I, I think I was at Solace, which is a gym in New York City that Dave was affiliated with. I think you might've been too, but I didn't know you guys at the time. And this was at the beginning of that year where I was trying to learn powerlifting. And so I kind of walked down the street. I'd been going to this gym down the street from there and, I just started to learn like certain power lifts. Cause I had been like your classic Staten Island type Jersey kid who was doing all the beach muscles and nothing else until then. And so finally <laughs> I was like, all right, got to start taking this sort of lower body seriously. And so I went down the street and I learned from some of the coaches over there. And then I just heard people talking about, but oh, how have you, are you going to power monkey, whatever? And so I saw some people come back from what was the spring camp in that year of 2019. And they were just raving about it. So I signed up, went down there in the fall of, 2019 and didn't know a single person there, I just kind of went down and I was like, all right, let me try this thing. Cause I also think it'd help level up my lifting, but also, and we can come back to this. I was fascinated at the time and continue to be with the sort of culture of CrossFit because I didn't know much about your gymnastics focus. I knew it as a, as a CrossFit community. And I showed up, and you were the person working the desk, so I think that's how we <laughs> met. I was like, oh, this they're very friendly here. And it was, you know, the, the program is, I think it's, what, like a week long or mm-hmm. something close to that, mm-hmm. where you're, what I think is really cool about what you did is you guys formed teams, so you get this camaraderie mm-hmm. with this group of people you have, and then you wind up going through progressions of different types of lifts, where you spend time learning how to do them properly, but you also get a work Mm -hmm. Which also means by the end of the week, you're just exhausted. (laughs) And like camp at night, there's like, you know, you sit around the fire and with s'mores Mm -hmm. and people tell stories and everybody hangs out. There's like kind of a dance party at the end and a competition Mm -hmm. on the lake. And so you get those sort of camp elements of it, but you get the instruction part of it too. And these are like some of the fittest people you've ever seen, but what's fascinating is like there's there's always these random people who walk through, people even way less experienced than I was in fitness, who seem to be pretty new to the journey. So you'll have them alongside somebody who might be a CrossFit Games athlete and somebody who is an Olympic, you know, performer or a gymnast or some other kind of athlete. And how do you see that playing out? Like when you think about the camp and how you design it, do you have a particular kind of
1: person in mind? Yeah. So it's funny you should say that because it's one of the biggest things that people kind of are hesitant about, about signing up to camp and being just totally intimidated by the other people who are there, like these incredible athletes. And we get a lot of people last minute trying to back out because they're so nervous or like- Yeah, not knowing anybody. Yeah, not knowing anybody.
0: Yeah. And then also living in a, in a room with a bunch <laughs> yeah. of people again it was like the first- you know, I
1: was like, oh man, I'm not sure I'm
0: up for this. But then it became really fun, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that first day is like the longest day of your life. And then yeah. it, that's kind of like one of the most entertaining things as like a camp director is just, there's no ego. So people come in with like all these nerves and over the course of the week, just watching them kind of shed those nerves and kind of come into their themselves and get more strong and comfortable as the week goes on. And just by the end, they're just loving it, like having such a blast. And it's just, it's just like a kid's camp where the kids by the end, they don't want to leave. They're like, oh, I'm not leaving. And you're like, can we do another week of this? <laughs> <laughs> but the camp itself is geared towards, you know, we, we like to say that it's for beginners. It's honestly for anyone who has a love of learning, the camp is for you because you're not really there competing against all of these other you're not there to really work out too much you're there to learn when we bring in the best of the best from all of the different kind of domains and we've we have stations so yeah like you were saying we run you through these stations and they're like two hour blocks of 10 different stations three that are weightlifting squat clean and jerk snatch three that are gymnastics handstand rings bar work then rowing endurance kettlebell and jump rope And so you're going through these stations with all of these, you know, former Olympic level athletes that have turned into coaching. And then at night we have like lectures, nutrition, sleep, programming. And then we have like contrast therapy with a mindset coach who runs you through like a hot, cold sort of experience, ice bath, and kind of going through that whole experience. So we have all these like sort of one-off experiences that you can hop into. And so along the way, there's also a lot of workouts. Like you said, the dance party was my favorite part of the week (laughs) and we feed you very well. So it's a very like, Oh my God, like the food is great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to
0: point out is what I love about this. And I think listeners of this podcast will really appreciate is I love nothing more than to somebody who is obsessed with whatever they do. And what Mm -hmm. I loved about the stations is I didn't think that there was that much to say about how to use a kettlebell until i went to scamp or how you <laughs> jump rope like you meet these people who've been spending years if not decades on one of these particular subjects right how do you row yeah. like there was like an olympic yeah. rower you know and like i you know the world i forget what they call them beast masters like the kettlebell expert and it's like each one of these things and i and i came in more interested in some than others so i was like all right i need to perfect my squat with something that was really important to me But then I hadn't really thought about the kettlebell and you wind up talking to these people who, even if you're not somebody who's even a walk away spending a lot of time with the kettlebell, you're like, wow, this is like, it's amazing to spend time with people who care this much about each element of fitness. Mm -hmm. But I think the other important thing to underline about the whole endeavor is why powerlifting? I think a lot of people are listening to this saying, well, why, like, that's like a sort of bro activity where, you know, people like, you know, I think people think of it as sort of like this kind of performative piece. But I think as you and I have talked about a lot and it's, it's part of our fitness group, building muscle late in life is really important to live a happy, healthy life because of sarcopenia, you know, muscle degeneration over time. And the most important way you could build that muscle is to lift heavy and compound movements, things like squats, deadlifts, et cetera. And the only way you could do those movements late into life is if you do them the right way. Like you learn the right technique. So you avoid injury, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll see too in coming to camp that it's not just for bros. We have some like the fittest chicks in the world that are super inspiring, which is always really cool to showcase too. Cause a lot of times people are just not around that and seeing like really strong women and how cross. It really has also done this to kind of level the playing field of making it just as equally for women and showcasing that as well, which is something I always just love about it. But it's, yeah, the the strength building is so important. And what we're about to is the technique aspect. Learning how to do it safely and with correct technique is so important. And that's like a huge kind of method that we Kind of involve with our PTs. So our, what we also have is floating PTs that will come around and kind of check in with all of the stations and make sure that, like everything's going correctly, anatomically, and jumping in with some of their little tidbits. I think one thing that you touched on too is really interesting with all of the different things that you might not know that you would have been excited about is that's one of the cool things for me is seeing someone f- discover something new that they didn't know like, Oh my gosh, rowing. Like I had no idea. There's so much technique behind it. And every time you've ever taken a rowing class, they're just like, okay, hop on the rower and do a thousand meters, no instruction. And turns out you could take a whole like two-day workshop on just technique alone on all the different things that you're thinking about and yeah there's so much more to it and so that's one of the coolest things is seeing people walk in there interested in one thing maybe powerlifting, and then discovering like a whole other thing like your new thing that you get excited about for the next year's task and you want to be doing a whole other thing late in life which is awesome too and with adults coming into something learning something for the first time From a coach's perspective, you really have to make it fun. And that's the thing that is like the thing that I think that we can really encapsulate at camp is, you know, you're not, Robbie, you're not probably going to be going to Wimbledon with your tennis.
0: Yeah. Unless I'm just there to watch. (laughs) yeah
1: But the thing that you got to do is make it fun for you. And that's really like the underlying thing. And I think the camp that we've nailed is just making all of these things like educational, informative, but also just a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think that touched off, for
0: me at least, every year I've at least been to one kind of camp every year since, or created some version of it, like a writer's retreat or whatever. And I think what I learned there was, and it certainly was jarring the first day, especially since I didn't know anybody. I think my experience, if I'm I'm trying to make it for this fall, like it would be different now that we know each other and also just where I am in life. But it was so helpful to show up and be like, all right, I I have this community in New York where I know everybody. I very rarely anymore put myself in a position where day after day, meal after meal, I'm sitting next to somebody who I'd never (laughs) met before, right? And who doesn't know anything about me. So I can't stand on any reputation or like I I won't fall to the level of my reputation depending on what you think my reputation (laughs) is. You just are just like, hey like we're just relating to each other. You may be from San Antonio, like this guy from my group was, and I'm in New York and you're just kind of there in the moment. It's in the middle of nowhere essentially. So you're not really like sitting around staring at your phone all the time. It's, it's, it's very much frowned upon in the camp. Obviously you can use it. And so I think it's just like, you take all the stuff outside of what it is you're learning, but just the idea of going somewhere and being totally immersed in it in a way where you're totally present in that thing, it not only accelerates that learning, Which is critical. I think these camps are like one of the most important ways you could learn a new thing. But it also just teaches you how to be present with other human beings and make new friends, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's by design that there's no cell phone service. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. (laughs) We like to say that. It's a good excuse for us. No, it's completely off the grid. It's very remote out there. And that's one of the things that we've really leaned into, especially the last few years, is just get off your phone. Like we send you a manual of everything we went over so you don't have to even take notes. Like Just be present. Just engage. Don't we have photographers? Don't worry about taking photos and videos like we'll send those to you after. Just be there, be present and connect with people. And I think that connecting with people, too, is like a huge part of it. A piece that you've touched on before, too, is just the building community, which is a huge piece of it, too. But there's so few opportunities in this day where you can truly disconnect and like connect with other people and be open and vulnerable in that way where you're just meeting new people. And yeah, it's definitely an aspect that uh, is hard to kind of get into at the beginning. And by the end, you're just like, oh my gosh, I love this.
0: Now, as people who run the camp, are you like camp counselors in the sense that you're aware of, hey, like... Sally's having a hard time. She doesn't seem to be making friends. Like, do you guys get at that level where you kind of are like, all right, we want to, at the granular level, like keeping tabs on how people are adjusting?
1: Oh yeah. There's definitely times where we try and support people if we know that they're kind of having a hard time and we've definitely intervened and like, you know, shown support or, you know, put the word out there. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, as camp director, we've, we've seen it all. Like it's sometimes it should be like a reality tv show about the stuff (laughs) that we've seen and the things i mean 10 this is our 10th year of doing it and you get like 150 people to the woods like high testosterone like you know we've seen it all but um yeah no ultimately we're very supportive crew and we have an amazing team that have just come through the ranks of like people who have come to the camp have now come around and joined our staff, like as interns, as staff, and it's now as like lead coaches. And that's kind of an amazing thing to see is just so many people who just want to be a part of the community that now are like an integral part of our operations and our team at Power Monkey. So that's like a really cool kind of pathway for them. And I would say like the most unexpected thing that came out of it when we set off to do this was community building and something that just kind of... Really surprised us, you know, we set off to do a week packed of education and kind of turned out when everyone got on the bus that first week, they were just crying and didn't want to leave and, you know, had all these new best friends that they had made at camp like kids. And it took us by surprise. And then we started to realize, like, oh, we have something kind of special here. This is kind of something that's more than what we set off to do. And um, that aspect of it has been just really cool to see, like, people making fast friends, like, the partnerships that have come out of this, like, the people lifelong friends and just... Jobs, relationships, even families have been started, people who've met at camp, which is just wild to us. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what it's meant for, no? I think about it with Arena, you know, this community I built around politics where we we wouldn't we weren't doing camps, but we were doing these couple day summits. And this past summer, I went to two weddings of people who met <laughs> at Arena. It's cool to see, you know, one of the best, I think one of the most rewarding things of this, this must resonate for you, is when you see people from the get-go. Like they know nothing about Power Monkey, they know nothing about anybody else. And then you fast forward a few years later and you can't imagine them without that community. You know, it Mm -hmm. becomes so critical to them. I think about people listening to this. And I think what I often hear from people is people of different stages of life, people who are single, without kids, people who are married, Without kids, people are married with kids. People who are married with young children, old children, et cetera. And so I do understand and I want to acknowledge that some of, whether it's Power Monkey or anything else, any of the camps that I did, whether it's surfing or tennis, et cetera, like there are definitely constraints. And so I want to acknowledge that on the front end. Like not everybody has the same amount of time. Not everybody has the same jobs. But I do want to make the case to people listening that Like whether you're doing the one skill a year thing, or you're just really passionate about something you want to do over many years, or you're just curious and you want to check out something really strongly consider camps and, and even consider going by yourself. Like sometimes it helps going with other people, but I could tell you as somebody who's done a few of these by myself, it is in some ways more powerful if you could pull it off because especially if you're somebody who's social, right? Like sometimes if you have, if you're not social and you have a lot of anxiety, you may want to bring a friend along. But if you're somebody who's social, like you're forced to meet other people, you're not going to like continually lean on the one person, you know, you're going to wind up leaving, having a super rich experience with new people. And there's camps for almost anything out there, right? Like almost any skill you could find, there are camps. And sometimes they're way more affordable than people realize.
1: Absolutely. I think having seen it from the other side of it, it's really amazing and admirable. I've seen some people come by themselves from Brazil, from India, from Europe, from Asia, like by themselves to this place they've never heard of. And I'm always just in shock, like, wow, you really trusted us a lot to come all the way out here (laughs) with this experience. But it's amazing that they do that. And I think that they get a lot out of it, a lot more out of it. And
0: you're doing mini camps around the world, right? Like you've done some in Europe.
1: Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of weekend clinics, like little two-day courses kind of all over all over the world, kind of in choice places where we feel like traveling. Yes, yeah, smart. <laughs> We've started doing retreats that have gone really well. This last two years, we did Greece in Crete, which have been amazing. And they're just sort of like small camps where we have a smaller staff come out. And it's a really intimate experience with just like a really awesome crew of people and we work out a lot and we learn and we eat good food and our new dates next year are going to be announced soon, but we're working on a, yeah, some new locations too. So Tuscany, Tuscany, maybe Sicily. Oh,
0: well keep me posted on those. I'm going to try to make those of
1: course. (laughs) And I think the whole sort of underpinning
0: of this that I want to talk about is like being healthy and being fit doesn't have to be a trip to the dentist. Right. And I think for a lot of people, and it can be tough, like under no version of the story is every day going to be easy. But I think the goal is to try to make it as social, as fun, exciting as possible. And you're somebody who's been around the block in the sort of fitness world. And I think this sort of 800-pound gorilla, at least as it relates to Americans and their relationship to fitness, and especially if you think about like geographic diversity and diversity in every way is CrossFit, which is something that I find really fascinating because I've dabbled in CrossFit and I continue to go to CrossFit when I travel because it's often the most reliable way to find a good place to work out. But also it's, it's kind of like visiting a church in a town. You get a sense of its community. And I've probably been to hundreds of CrossFit gyms at this point. I imagine you're the same. Mm -hmm. Give me your take on like the CrossFit community and methodology and how it's going to change the game
1: in fitness. Oh, sure. So, yeah, I like you have been to CrossFit gyms all over the world. I mean, that's where we do a lot of our courses. So for us, it's like finding your immediate community in another city. Like you we can just go in and by the end of the day, we could have an invitation to the person's home to have dinner with them in their fit. Like it's so like fast friends talk about an amazing community. It's changed the fitness community in a lot of ways, one, just providing that sort of hub, that community that pe- for people that is so important that maybe what could have been like a church community for a lot of people, it's like the same sort of atmosphere where you belong, you have purpose. There's people who hold you accountable. Like I've had people texting me at 5 a.m. like, Hey, you coming today? You coming today? And I'm like, who else <laughs> texts me at 5 a.m.? Like my CrossFit <laughs> friends that are just like obnoxiously like holding me accountable to like getting out of bed and making sure I show up. And that's just... That is amazing. I think what's also just the application of it is having something that's measurable, repeatable data that you can stack against yourself, an earlier version of yourself. So that's the coolest thing is just being able to look back and say, I used to be able to do this workout, you know, I've beat my time, I've gotten so much better. And you can just see the numbers changing over time of your lips improving, of all of these things getting better. And that's that's the cool thing is like just being able to have data to see yourself improve and get better over time. And then it's competitive. So there's always a leaderboard or like an online sort of system that's kind of stacking you against everyone else at the gym and then seeing yourself and your your own progress improve, which is always like empowering, encouraging to see.
0: Yeah. And I think there's so many misconceptions about CrossFit. I think particularly on the left where I've spent a lot of time in politics, like you, know, you listen to Majority 54. There was this incident that happened with Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, kind of nutty member of Congress. Crossfitter, who, who owned a, owned a, you probably, <laughs> you might have met her. I don't know, but um, she owned a CrossFit gym, maybe still does. I don't know, but people, and there are a lot of things to make fun of Marjorie Taylor Greene. But there was a moment where she was doing like a special kind of pull-up that I won't go into. That looks a little weird if you don't know CrossFit. Still may look weird even if you do know CrossFit, but that's a whole other discussion. But uh, people were making fun of it. Democrats were. Now, there are Democrats and Republicans and independents in CrossFit, but but I think particularly like urban Democrats or like your kind of Barry's Boot Camp style, people were looking at this being like denigrating. I'm like, this is a dangerous moment because there are <laughs> CrossFit gyms all across the country. That people treat like their church, and I think mm-hmm. the misconception is that you go to these cross-stitches that people are slamming down plates and, you know, growling and like you know that these are intimidating places to go. And I found it to be the exact opposite. Where mm-hmm. I go into these places, there's some of the friendliest people you've ever met. You're Absolutely. more often going to hear take weight off the bar then you're going to be pushed to put more weight on the bar and they're super welcoming by and large there's always exceptions to everything and the most common use case i find is not the person who's the former football player who's trying to stay in shape it's somebody who has some moment like where they they've been out of shape maybe never were in shape and Maybe they just had kids, or maybe they're in a midlife crisis or whatever, and they walk through those doors, often not knowing anybody, and they find a super welcoming, motivating place. Mm -hmm. And I think people, if you have not been to a CrossFit gym before, I strongly recommend going in, because I do think it's a cultural experience, and I think you may be surprised.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen so many people come into the doors, and they have no fitness background. They've come from nothing. Maybe they're older older. And it is so inspiring to see those people just thrive, find something new later in life that they can be good at and just see themselves improve. And one of the things at camp that is so amazing is we've had people in their 80s come to camp and oh my God. those become like the our mascots those people who are like the oldest person i can become like our heroes and we like, I do
0: think there was a person <laughs> in their 80s in the camp i went to if i remember correctly that was yeah. 2019 fall
1: yeah and that's yeah. the kind of thing that immediately like makes you shed that sort of nerve of like oh i'm going to be the worst one there it's so intimidating and then you see people that are just there to have fun and learn something new and do something to challenge themselves. And it's there's no better learning environment to be in than to just to be in such a welcoming place where you can have that sort of energy and seeing people just make incredible life changes where they're now like lost hundreds of pounds. And I mean, it's just a really inspiring environment to be in, super encouraging. Yeah, I remember, I think I remember, if I'm remembering this
0: correctly, there was a mom and her daughter and Mm the mom was like, she might've been the one in her 80s, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah, shout fall, out to 22. Linda
1: Elston and so much. She's amazing.
0: And she was doing it all. It's wild.
1: She did absolutely everything, even like the handstand station, you know, scaling and going back to progressions are so important. And this is also, you know, in, in CrossFit, you see this like these progressions are everything about getting people to do, you can do the same workout as the top people in the world, you're just scaling it to what's appropriate for your body and doing it in a safe way. So she was doing like handstands, you know, mostly standing up and working on just straight arm work, but she's doing absolutely everything. And what (laughs) could be more amazing than that?
0: Yeah. And a big theme of this podcast is like taking lessons learned from school Mm -hmm. and applying them to real life. And I think what's fascinating about these, whether it's a CrossFit gym or any other fitness program, studio, camp, et cetera, is the elements of design that make a strong gym or a strong program are very similar to the elements of design of a school. So mm-hmm. culture is really important. So are there rituals, routines, right? Are people learning each other's names? Are you balancing rigor with inclusivity, right? Which is a big mm-hmm. thing I think you must think about a lot, right, which is, all right. And you and I have talked about this as it relates to the fitness program that mm-hmm. I've been running Which is a constant tension I have, and I'm sure it's something you thought about a lot, is like, how do you make it rigorous enough so that the very serious people feel like they're getting what they want out of it? But how do you also make it welcoming enough so that people who aren't at a high level yet can walk Mm -hmm. through the door and get a lot out of it, you know?
1: Yeah, that's where scaling is just so important, like finding the ability where everyone can be doing the same thing. Everyone's just doing a different version of the same thing, so... You know, for, for Dave, my husband might be doing like a hundred handstand pushups and I'm just over at the wall doing some pushups, you know, dial down version of what he's doing. Um, And somebody else
0: may be doing pushups on their knees, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. So... There's just finding the version that works for you, but getting everyone to participate. And then I think the other thing about that is just like the tracking is so important because just seeing your yourself go from the plank version to the higher up version is just the empowering thing too, is just keeping record along the way of those progressions and knowing that like for pull-ups, for example, if you're going from a banded pull-up to like a smaller banded pull-up to like no band to like, you know, being able to do these like high volume amounts of pull-ups, that's kind of like where you want to be at is finding those progressions along the way and making sure you're doing one that's appropriate for your level.
0: Yeah. And I think like uh, this gets at like what the issue is we're trying to solve. Right. And I think there are different types of people, but I think the people I spend a lot of time thinking about as it relates to trying to make the program that I'm running, what it, what I want it to be, but also what I imagine every gym is trying to think about, you know, beyond even business, which is the person like, and I have relatives in my life and friends in my life who are like this, who are stuck. Like they can't get themselves to take the leap because they, their narrative of self, they're wrapped up in the sense that I am not the kind of person who does that, or Mm -hmm. I'm not the kind of person who can do that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you've just thought about like, psychologically how do you get people past that because it's been really on my mind lately because you know and when we think about the attrition of of the, my program it's so much wrapped up in the people who come in that way mm-hmm. some of the highest flyers are the people who come in that way and they wind up flipping a switch and so those are some of the most you know rewarding experiences in running the program is seeing mm-hmm. people like that but there's so many people who come in And if you don't pay close attention to them, they'll miss their goals, they'll kind of disappear a little bit, and then Mm -hmm. then they'll drop out of the program. And when you talk to them afterwards, they their negative self-talk is Mm -hmm. is what's driving to be like they kind of spiral and then they start to hide, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's there's not a one size fits all approach to fitness. And I think what was great about your program, Ravi, is that it allows everyone to kind of take the thing that really speak to them and really lean into that so you could get points for various things whether that was crossfit but crossfit is not for everybody or you could get points for going on of a, a hike out in outside in the woods or you know you could just get points for various things whatever it was speaking to you at that time like i certainly did crossfit some weeks a ballet class another week or you know i'm pushing a stroller up like a really steep hill and i would be getting <laughs> points for that like every week is different and so sometimes it's committing to that one thing which can be a little too much for people to change what they're already doing, but to have them lean into the things that they like to do and find movement that speaks to you in different ways. And sometimes that evolves over a course of time, like what it is that you're into or what you just like happen to be excited about that at that moment. So I think finding those things are really important, like the movement that really is what gets you excited to be in that moment. And then for me, like, I think it's always about making time and prioritizing the things that you want to make space for in your life and then the biggest part of the program was finding people to ha- hold you accountable to those things so making sure that whatever those goals are that you set off that those people those teammates are there helping you drive those goals forward and that if you start to fall off they're there to like pick you up and like keep keep carrying you forward. Because it's not, there's not always good days. There's a lot of bad days.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you on that. Yeah, and, and as, as you think ahead now, you've seen a lot, right? You've seen these sort of virtual programs, you've seen in-person camps, you've been to a ton of gyms. As you think about the future right now, you know, people who are kind of tracking this whole world of health and wellness, you know, if... If CrossFit was the innovation of 30 years ago or whatever, 20 years ago, I can't do the math correctly, that kind of took fire. What do you think, like if we're looking back 10 years from today, what's happening out there that you think might be really small, but that we're going to be seeing a lot more of across the country and across the world?
1: Yeah, I still think in-person has so much value. So I don't think it's like we're all moving to like a completely digital experience because I think there's there's a place for that. But I do think the in-person experience has so much value in holding people accountable in person. Things that might be small. I mean, I think people are really leaning into strength training and kind of going back to um, not like that muscle beach kind of training, but just really, <laughs> really like leaning into strength training and training for longevity, training for the things that are going to make them moving well longer in life and finding those things. I think there's a little bit of a wake up call to keep, keep moving well longer. And I like to think that we do a good job in supporting people with that mission and getting them to just be aware of that they are capable of doing these things longer in life. So I would say, yeah, strength training, getting people understanding grip strength, I know we've talked about that grip <laughs> yeah. strength, handstands. And, and it's funny because having a career as a handstand coach, like did not exist 10 years ago. Let me tell you, it was the kind of thing is like, <laughs> when are you going to go out and get a real job? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about
0: the, the, the strength piece of it as, as a relatively new trend, but it absolutely is. Like if you think about 10, 15 years ago, it was the Barry's bootcamp style stuff, which involves some strength, but it really was about the treadmill and the sprinting and the hit and mm-hmm. hit was everything. You know, whereas now the the conversation amongst almost every strength and conditioning expert, you know, everybody from doctors like Peter Tia to Rna Patrick to fitness coaches, you ask people, well, what's the one thing if you could only do one thing or prescribe one thing as it relates to fitness, It's lifting heavy weights safely. Mm-hmm. Like that is the the number one thing that people don't do enough, and they may say also like getting enough protein, because mm. like maintaining that strength is so important because it dissipates over time and it also wards off, you know, certain degeneration that could lead you to break your hip or not be able to, you know, pick up your grandchildren, et cetera. So I hadn't thought about that. That's a good answer.
1: Yeah, I always throw in their core work. Core work mobility and handstands is like something you could be doing absolutely every day and not necessarily handstands like getting inverted every day, but there's, you know, positional work and things that you can be doing against the wall that are just as effective. But if you want to see progress and keep doing these things for longer, like those are all like the three kind of like pillars of things that you could absolutely be doing every day and things that are super effective when you want to see like long-term benefits.
0: Well, Sadie, this has been an awesome conversation. Tell our listeners where they can get information about PowerMonkey.
1: PowerMonkeyFitness.com, PowerMonkeyCamp.com. Those are two kind of like website hubs for everything that we do. Also online, we're on IG, pretty active on IG, PowerMonkey Fitness. I'm at Sadie Ann, you can message me for anything. And um, yeah, pretty much post everything work-related up there. Yeah,
0: and so you have the camp. One thing we didn't talk a lot about is the app, which has a ton of different tutorials, et cetera. So... Obviously, you should go to the camp if you can. It's offered twice a year, from what I understand, fall and spring. I did the fall program. It's awesome. My sense is you probably are, I don't know if you've released the seats for the fall yet.
1: It's actually sold out. No. <laughs> Robbie, we could work something out. We'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we are selling spots to spring camp. Yeah, but our training app is a good place. Like you mentioned, a good educational platform that we have, like either skill-specific work programs, like getting your first pull-up, your handstand follow-along, also daily core plans, and general like gymnastic program too which is cool to like follow along if you want to do rings bar work core work handstands and mobility it's a pretty cool platform
0: yeah and if you're if you're looking for something to do on an ongoing basis you could shoot me a message at ravi M Gupta on instagram and uh we're in the off season right now for this fitness program <laughs> and, and you and i've been, been and other members of the program been working on I think now that it's seventh generation of this program, which will launch a new season in the fall. And so send me a message if you want to hear information about that. We're always taking on new members.
1: Yeah, it's effective. Yeah. <laughs> it's effective program. It works. I mean, the program ended last week and I just found myself doing all of the things and not logging points. And oh, I was perfect. like, I guess I my habits have just changed. So, <laughs> Well,
0: the, the thing that warms my heart that I hear a lot from people who are successful in the program is... And this this was particularly true this year because a lot of people turned forty this year in the program. Is I am fitter at forty than I was at thirty. I love hearing that, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll hear something similar. I'm fitter at fifty than I was at forty. Like that's that's what this is all about. It's not you know about the beach muscles or whatever the six pack abs. It's just about feeling happier, healthier, and being able to do the things you care about as long as you possibly can.
1: Oh, for sure. I think as a parent, too, sometimes there's this idea that, like, I can't make time for myself. I don't have the ability, like, or it feels like selfish to worry about, like, self care. And when I feel like I've, realize in this program is it's actually like the most important thing you can do for your kids. And it's sort of like that idea of like putting on your oxygen mask first before you put on theirs. It's like, you have to be able to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else in your life. And by doing all those things, eating better, working out, you just feel better and you're like more equipped to take care of the runs around you. And, um, it's not selfish by putting yourself first. It's like, leading by example. Yeah, and,
0: and if you if you have any doubt, ask the people around you what you're like when you don't do that. <laughs> and it'll be <laughs> it'll be really obvious what you need to do. Well Sadie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Robbie. This has been fun.
0: Sweat the Technique is a production of the Branch Media Podcast Network. You could follow all of the Branch's podcasts at at the Branch Media on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and you could check out our website at thebranchmedia.org. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review, give us a five-star rating, and subscribe to the show so that you can join us every Wednesday for more Sweat the Technique.